A good haircut can be a game changer. I mean, everybody wants to look their best for those social media pics, right? So get yourself to Sport Clips at Sport Clips Haircuts. They hair do like no one else hair does. See what they did there? Not only is it the home of champion haircuts, but they've also made relaxing and unwinding the name of the game. Level up your haircut with the MVP haircut experience. It's a spa day for your follicles. Check this out. You get a seven pressure point massaging shampoo along with a perfectly steamed hot towel all while sports plays on the TV. Does it get any better than that? No. You can want it all and have it all at Sport Clips. It's a game changer. This episode is brought to you by Progressive, where drivers who save by switching save nearly $750 on average. Plus, auto customers qualify for an average of seven discounts. Quote now at Progressive.com to see if you could save. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates, national average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May 2023. Potential savings will vary. Discounts not available in all states and situations. Talk is Jericho, baby. Talk is Jericho. Welcome to Talk is Jericho. This is the pot of thunder and rock and roll. The people's podcast has arrived. The remedy for boredom is here. Let's go for a ride. You lucky you got away with just a scratch, sucker. Somebody's gonna get their ass kicked. Somebody's gonna get their wig split. Somebody's gonna get their ass kicked. Somebody's gonna get their wig split. Beat him up, beat him up, break his neck, break his neck. Beat him up, beat him up, break his neck, break his neck. Beat him up, beat him up, break his neck, break his neck. Beat him up, beat him up, break his neck. Can you dig it? Neck. Don't jive me. Neck. That is unbelievable, man. Neck. Yeah, I got that jazzed up by my buddy Ed Aborn. He's done all the little jingles for the show. That's a big request for me. People uh, love to hear the Mark Henry theme song. So I'm laying it on you, man. And today... On Talk is Jericho, I got our truth and what a great story he's got to tell. He spent some time in jail as a Ute, and he's talking about how that literally changed his life, led him to pro wrestling. If you heard MVP's story, Talk is Jericho alumni, I don't know, about six, eight months ago, he had a similar story. I got put in jail, someone led him to pro wrestling, helped him out, changed his life. Our truth has the same thing going on. Great story. He's talking about how the truth character got started in TNA, how he took it to WWE, plus we'll hear about the night he made main evented uh, Survivor Series with The Miz against The Rock and John Cena. Plus, we'll hear all about his new record that he's working on right now, getting ready to drop a new tune pretty soon here, upcoming. You may be surprised as well at who guests on the record. Our truth coming up. He's leading himself, uh, uh, this is leading the way to WrestleMania where he is in the Intercontinental Ladder Match, uh, one of the entertaining uh, stories going on right now. Stealing the championship. Maybe I'll run in there and steal it. What do you think of that? I want to thank you for being here. I want to thank Our truth for being here. I want to thank all of you who nominated Talk is Jericho for a podcast award. We're up for Best Sports Podcast. There's a lot of great competition. So if you dig this podcast, this one right here, right here, this one here. Please vote for us. Vote for me. You can vote once a day until March 24th. Just go to podcastawards.com. You'll go into the sports podcast there. Look for my little show, Talk is Jericho is the name. You giving me a vote is the game. And uh, help me to win this damn thing on April 14th in Las Vegas. It would be awesome to actually win a podcast award in my first year of uh, of broadcasting. And I've already won because i got all you wonderful fans here with me tonight. So again, but if you like being entertained by Talk is Jericho twice, a week for free. Don't forget, it's free. Don't cost you a dang thing. I want you to go to podcastawards.com and cast your vote. Okay? Do that for me. Please. I want to win this thing. I want to be somebody. Be somebody too. All right. And once again, Thanks to all the great sponsors of TIJ, and thanks to all of you for supporting my great sponsors and this show. Couldn't do it without you guys. And once again, the easiest way to do that is use my Amazon links whenever you do your online shopping. You go to podcastone.com, click on the Keep Our Podcast Free banner at the top of the page, and hit the talk is Jericho button. You know what it is. Every time you use one of my Amazon links, kicks back a couple bucks to the show to help us cover production costs in the USA, in the UK, in the Canada, A, all kinds of cool stuff on Amazon. Shawn Michaels, uh, wrestling for my life, the legend, the reality, and faith of a WWE superstar. That hit the New York Times bestseller list. Go check that out. Shawn's uh, show just passed the uh, 1 million mark. 
So there you go. Another platinum record, another platinum show right here for TIJ. Uh, that's over 65 million downloads so far on the show. Thanks to all you guys. You can also get Josh Gates's book, my, my buddy from Expedition Truth. Um, memoirs. Sorry, is Expedition. No, De- it was Destination Unknown and Expedition Truth. Those are his two shows. His book, though, is called Memoirs of a Monster Hunter. Great read, uh, especially if you're into that sort of thing like I am. Also, Zach Bagan's books, uh, I Am Haunted. That's a great one. Fozzie's new record, Do You Want to Start a War? Also, a great new record for my buddy Scott Ian and his wife Pearl. Motor Sister is the name of the record on Metal Blades Records. Go on to uh, Amazon and pick that up as well. It's a great, great recording. Um, Pearl, Scott's wife, has an amazing voice. She sounds so great on it so go and check that out as well so many things you can buy and remember if you use these amazon links there's no hidden fees or extra charges so if you happen to be doing some online shopping i want you to do it through amazon okay can you do that for me i appreciate that Coming to you live right here. Well, not really live. I'm recording it live, though. Uh, in Brighton, England. Getting ready to take the ferry to France uh, tonight. By the time you hear this, the France show will be over. But uh, it was almost like the old days. I'm actually going to take a little s- swig of water. You want it, You want the real behind the scenes? Here it is. Had to have a swig, a swig of water. Cause I, I just had the saltiest pizza I've ever had in my life. I'm not a good pizza guy. I don't really like pizza uh, unless it's homemade at home. Um from my wife but i had nothing to eat i had nothing to eat here everything closes up really early i went to the studio tonight we had the, our one day off um and i went to the studio to record some vocal tracks for a secret project that's coming out soon and then i came back and got back at about 10 o'clock and uh, everything was closed which is so crazy because it's like you know 10 o'clock on a monday night nothing's available this hotel restaurant is closed i feel like i'm in faulty towers or something i want a waldorf salad i'm sorry so they were all out of waldorf's Lemmy would appreciate that joke, um, but it's been a great tour. I had um, we had twelve shows in a row, and all of them were amazing shows uh, over in the UK. Brighton last night was insane. London, Nottingham, Belfast, Dublin, Glasgow, all of them just crazy, crazy shows. Lots of great Fozzie fans coming out of the woodwork to come hang out with us, which has been amazing, and so many cool things this week alone. We announced uh, some shows with Slash, which is huge. That will be in Chicago, and that's also in uh, Houston, Austin, and Dallas. And then, of course, today, the big announcement that Fozzie will be joining KISS on the KISS Cruise. And, I mean, how cool is that, man? Like, you know, I mean, I mean, I don't even know what to say. I mean, we know we've had Paul Stanley on the show, Gene Simmons coming up this Friday. And it's cool to call those guys, I don't know, acquaintances. Um I haste to say that they're friends, but I would say, you know, they're, they're friends. Why not? Paul Stanley's my friend at this point. But I have to think that um, the thing is, when you get a, a, a big tour like this, you know, like, like like the Kiss Cruise, I mean, obviously, the personal relationship that I have with those guys makes a difference, but it's all through management, so if management thought that Fozzie wasn't any good, we wouldn't be on the show on the cruise, no matter who was my friend. And and same with Slash. I mean, uh, you know, it's a it's a crowded, tough world out there for music business for the music business for mu- for bands. So they're not just going to take guys they think are cool. I mean, this is tried and true. Fozzie's proven ourselves, and once again. Just like when we got to tour with Avenged Sevenfold a couple years ago and then moved up to Metallica and Australia and here we are now going out with Slash and then the Kiss Cruise. And it's only Kiss, Fozzie, Steel Panther and Lita Ford. So it's just a a good time cruise. And I am stoked. And if you want to go on that cruise, it's almost sold out already, like seven months before. The Kiss Cruise, and that's with a K, of course, .com. That's where you can find out all the information for the Kiss Cruise if you want to try and get tickets for that. Um, plus, we got some other shows coming up in Atlanta, uh, Johns Creek, actually. That's uh, Friday, April 24th. Then we're doing Welcome to Rockville in Jacksonville, Florida, April 25th. Uh, May 18th in Chicago, Concord Music Hall with Slash. Thursday, May 21st, Austin at Stubbs, famous, famous venue. That's also a slash. May 23rd in Houston, House of Blues, slash. May 24th, Dallas, Southside Ballroom, slash. 
Uh, then we got August 9th, Heavy Montreal, which is uh, the huge, huge festival there in Montreal that we've always been trying to get on, but we haven't, uh, have never had the chance to be on yet. And now we are on it. And then, of course, the Kiss Cruise. All of that information will be up on FozzyRock.com uh, momentarily. So go check that out. Um, but like I said, man, it's just cool to know that you, when you really work hard and work your collective arses off, that you can uh, you can make a difference and, and kind of get up to the uh, the big leagues, and this is the big leagues, man. I mean, we're taking it very seriously. So I'm really really stoked. It's so cool. I mean, man. I mean, when I was a kid playing, um, you know, the first band I was in, as, as anybody who knows who, who who listens to my show or reads any of my books, was called Scimitar. And a Scimitar is I'm just getting rid of this horrible pizza over here. Ugh. Awful. I'm not even going to say what what uh, what uh, brand it is. So, uh, anyways, so we, our our first band was called Scimitar, and I remember we put it together. That we were a three piece, and we used to play in my friend Warren's garage, and we would play with the door open because he lived next door to this really hot girl. Her name was Carla McNacka, and she had uh, Sally Eason was one of her friends, and Lorraine Foster's like all these kind of hot chicks that hung out together. And they used to walk past Warren's house to go home, and we'd always play "You Really Got Me," but with no vocals. And it was like over and over and over and over again because nobody would sing. Everyone was too scared to sing. It's the only song we knew. But whenever we saw them walking home, we'd like, okay, start, 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 start. And finally, after about you know a week and a half of, of playing that, the girls said, uh, don't you guys know any other songs? And it was like, no. <laughs> I think we learned Talk Dirty or something like that. Talk Dirty to Me or something like that. But to, to, to think going from that garage, you know, like 30 years ago, man, or, or, you know, 27 years ago, 26 years ago. And here we are going on tour with Kiss and going on tour with Slash, you know. And I had a, a business lunch in this morning with Rod Smallwood from Iron Maiden about some future projects. So uh, it's just really, really cool to, to have all this stuff paying off and to know that our band has done it. If you work hard... It will come. Uh, Spiwi worked hard. He became uh, a lot of movie work going on and TV work going on in Calgary right now. And Spiwi lives up in Calgary and got a a, a nice little part on on a show. We're keeping it under wraps. He doesn't want anybody to know about it. But he was giving himself a pep talk the other day and uh, sent me the video. So I decided to play it for you. Uh, If you're trying to pump yourself up to uh, to go get the part for, for uh, an acting role that you want or for a tour that you're trying to get on or a wrestling company that you want to get into. Uh, this is the pep talk that Spiwi can give you. You're no good, Spivak. You've never been any good, as if you think you can act. You're all washed up even before you get started. They're going to hate you. They're going to turn you away when you show up at the door. You'll go to the trailer. You'll be scared to change with the other real men, and they'll kick you out. That's what's going to happen, Spivak. You'll flub up. You'll trip. Yeah, that's what's going to happen. Maybe you'll cry. Maybe you'll cry and you'll just run home and bury yourself. Make up a story to your friends that they just quit shooting, that one of the actors got sick, the main ones that couldn't be in it. You're a loser and you'll always be a loser. You listening to me? Going down there, driving down to Springbank right now with your stupid mustache. Who the hell do you think you are? They're going to take one look at you and go, get out of here, you fat pig. Hey, I thought you were skinnier in your pictures. What, do you have a thyroid condition? Stupid, stupid idiot Spivak. Stupid Spivak, stupid Spivak, stupid Spivak. How are you going to compete with experienced people there? How are you going to be able to do anything that makes a difference? You won't be able to do anything because you're a loser. Don't, don't. None of us want to hear it. Don't. <laughs> the illustrious Spiwi. People all over the nation are loving this guy. I had a bunch of people uh, even here in England say, oh, we love Spiwi. We, we envision him wearing a white a wife beater and uh, a flat top haircut. And I'm like, well, it's not really like that. But uh, yeah, Spiwi is available to give you pep talks at Spiwi on the Twitter if you want to uh, <laughs> have him come over. Not exactly uh, win one for the Gipper, but uh, that's Spiwi for you. So we got our truth coming up. Did this backstage in San Antonio. I was supposed to uh, talk to Arn Anderson. He decided that he couldn't do it. Um, and then I just happened to walk up to R-Truth and I said, hey, man, 
you want to do my podcast? He's like, sure, let's do it. And we did it, and it's coming up right away. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every goal, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a game-winning goal in the final seconds of overtime or a shot on the goal in the first period. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. Talk is Jericho. All right, sitting here across from a guy I've known probably, I don't know, 12 years or so. At least 12. At least 12. At least a dozen. A dozen years. You know what? It sounds better. Over a decade. <laughs> Over a decade. <laughs> that makes us sound it up does, there, It right? does, man. It does. Our truth is with me. And it's funny. You know, we are kind of the, uh, a couple of the guys that are almost elder statesmen in this company at this point in time. We are, man. Uh, that's why I'm always happy to see guys like yourself come back in. Yeah. Um, Batista. Mm-hmm. Um, Rob. Mm-hmm. Uh, right now, it's just, I think, what, me, Mark Henry, Big Show, and Kane. <laughs> you know? That's about it. That's about Dustin. it. Gold dust and you Gold and me, dust, man. gold yeah. dust. He's still, he's still, he's still it's, kicking. It's true. So, so um, I mean, I mean, it's been really cool to see. I mean, you've had such longevity in your career. I mean, I have, man. you're one of those guys that it, it play an important role. You can go in the main events. You can go in the opening match. You can go in the middle, wherever they need you to go. And you always have a role and always have a job and always have a gig. It is. What, what do you think uh, some of the reasonings for that? Um, it's one of those bittersweet reasoning, man. You, I mean, everybody, when they aim, they want to aim high and, and pretty much stay high. Right. But the, the sweet part about it is I like being able to – you know, flap my wings and glide or, or soar high or, or mm-hmm. go down low. And, and I think it's, it's, it's needed. Um, not, not, you know what I'm saying? Well, I mean, it, it, it's, it's an important part. Like I said, you, can, you can be part. put out in any situation. Yes. I, one of my reasons why I think why, why you have this, you have a great connection with the crowd. Yes. Yes, I do. And I love that. Yeah. I love that. And that, that's probably come from me in my younger days. Some people may know this. You know a little bit about mm-hmm. it. I was always a performer. Mm-hmm. Um, when I was like uh, 16, 17 in school, I, mean, I was still in school, I was like an opening act for artists that would come through North Carolina, South Carolina, and they would take me with them sometimes. Like so, national acts? National, like um, Chub Rock, um, Kwame, Kid and Play, um, really? so Duo you, Rockin'. So, so, so let's say Kid and Play would come to town, and what, what would you do to open up the show? Um, I would do a song with my dancers. I had like five backup no dancers. Yes, man. Yes. With the blonde hair dye. Like right now, <laughs> there's a picture of me and Tupac floating around now. No kidding. Yes. And um, actually met him on some of those tours. Like, like when, when I would go and open, be an opening act, just like here, man, guys would see you and like you and, and hmm. you would connect with them. And they were like, hey, why don't you go open for us here? Why don't you go open for us there? Man, I was invited to some of the, the most... Big time parties, and this back then when guys were still trying to get signed, mm-hmm. trying to get a deal. So I was just all back in that era, end up becoming um, one of MC Hammer's background dancers. No, hold on a second. So let me just go back to, to, to one second. And first of all, MC Hammer's background dancer, like what? You got to tell me about that. But when you said you started, like, how did you get involved in the scene in Charlotte to where they would call you, promoters would call you? Did you just oh my goodness, high school talent shows or that, that's where it starts at. Believe it or not, high school talent shows, and, and I think everything every, we, we meet somebody that take us to the next level. I, I will meet people, man, that would take me to this place. Okay, you're gonna do a talent show here, and at that talent show, I will meet a guy that does something with music, and this promoter does something with that. Before you knew it, I done met Bernard Bailey, uh, Sean Marshall, and Ron Carter, some pretty big players in the these scene. These guys was like there was there wasn't big players at all. There was independent oh, okay. players, but knew the big leagues. Gotcha, and, and had connection with the guy that's running the the Coliseum or the guy that's running uh, the auditorium. And so they were big players on the local scene. In the local scene, yes. And those guys was like um, me and my group was like pretty much the hot thing now. And it was like hot like grits around there. <laughs> yes. What were you guys called? We had no name, man. I was just going by K Crush. K-Crush. K-Crush, man. Uh, I had my dancers with me, man, and I always had dance. I think I've, over the years, I've switched, man, and had like maybe 15 dancers all together, just in and out, in and out, in and out. So would you be doing your own songs, or would it just be like a dance routine? Actually, I would rap my own songs back then. Okay. I would go in. Uh, I was recording, man. I was young, 16 years old. I was recording, and back then I had to, like, now my voice is all raspy now, but back mm-hmm. then it was a, the K-Crush, go, K-Crush, go. So it was higher. Yes, yes, man. <laughs> I wish I could find some of those tapes, but... Those were some of my first time rapping, and I would say myself, 
they were whack. Um, <laughs> just as corny as they want to be, but it was the end thing back then. I'm talking about like in early 90s early 90s early 90s man it was like uh, the hit thing back then and people would see us perform like us before you knew it they're like hey you want to come open up for third base third base <laughs> hell yeah you know what I'm saying and we would go and you want to open up for Chub Rock Chub Rock yeah hell Tracy yeah. Spencer yes and these people would like us and take us with them so what did you say you said something was corny back what was, was it you were doing uh, I would think my, my production work as far as the, the okay. music production work because, of the music. Because rap in the early 90s it did have a kind of a corny element to it. Yes. Like you look at Vanilla Ice or, or, or you're talking about like Gerardo or you know PM Dawn. They had Kid and Play. Yes. Fresh yes. Prince. Fresh Prince. It was almost comedic in a way. It, it was comedic, but it was um, what now is storytelling. Mm-hmm. And it, it was uh, almost like a non-street way of telling a story. And back then, being that everybody was pretty much from the streets, representing the streets or whatever, it was corny for us to hear these guys rap about good things and happy stuff. You know? yeah. We don't want to be happy. You know what I'm saying? We're from the street. We want to be mad. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. But these guys made a trend, man. And Fresh Prince went on to do... Huge things. Huge. People forget that. I mean, the new generation yes. doesn't even remember that Will Smith started as a rapper. You yes, know? and that was a huge thing. Like I said, that I guess you'd say kind of white rap, where it was yes, like, yes, didn't have to curse. Yeah, yeah. Will Smith didn't have to curse and sold Ever. millions and millions of records. Man. Yeah, it was huge. And so, I think I actually danced to a couple of them. You too. <laughs> <laughs> Still do. Get me with the right amount of Grey Goose, man. I'll be able yeah. to dance to whatever you want. All right. I, I remember, I think you remember Jeff Hardy knew every word to Ice Ice Baby. Yes. He used to rap it yes. when he Yes, that was one of my dogs, man. That was <laughs> yeah, my dogs. both of them. Both Him of and Matt were throwing some Ice Ice Baby, <laughs> and you would think that they was in the booth recording it. Every man. word. Yes. <laughs> yes. So tell us about the MC Hammer thing. How did you get a gig with him as a dancer? It was just uh, uh, creating routines for him and his dancers, backing up. Um, like I said, I had five dancers, man. We was, like, pretty bad in Charlotte. So and, you were a choreog- choreographer? choreographer? Yes, just choreographer, just uh, choreographing routines for them, man. And um, when, uh, the girl that was there, uh, Carla Coleman, she went on to, like, actually dance for him, mm. dance with him and everything like that. But it was a lot, of, a lot of work, man, as far as, like, showing them moves. Back then, it was, like, more dancing now has evolved so much now, mm. but it's still the same, like locking and breaking and all that. It's still a part of dance, but now it's more crump, more uh, nay-nay, and, mm. and more very simple dance steps now to make it bigger than what it was back mm-hmm. then. Mm-hmm. So how did you meet up with, with Hammer? At Jack the Rapper Convention. At Jack the Rapper Convention? Jack the Rapper Convention. What's that? Oh, you ever heard of Jack the Rapper? I'm from Canada, man. I don't even know what that is. <laughs> <laughs> Tell me what it is, man. Jack the Rapper convention is, um, back then, it used to be where all, anybody that was in the rap game, anybody that wanted to be in the rap game would come there. And they would hold these conventions almost like a mania or mm-hmm. something like that. It was like four or five days. The Comic-Con or whatever. Com- exactly. Yeah. But that's where all the parties, that's where I met a lot of the superstars, um, rappers that took me out, like Pac and Tretch from Naughty by Nature. Um, Man, Diggable Black, um, Rock him when they, I mean, like older yeah. guy way back then. Rock him, man, when he first came out. Uh, Sinbad, man, the comedian. Yeah, like it's Jack the Rapper was the place to be. That's at. him. And because I was opening act for all these places, this and that, I met Hammer at the Jack the Rapper convention because this goes on every year, mm-hmm. every year. And it was, whether it's Atlanta, whether it's in DC, uh, they had one in LA. Jack the Rapper convention would be everywhere. And it was like the hottest thing when I was young, man. So it was like the Arnold Classic, but for rapper. If, oh you, if you were a rap guy, you needed to be there. You would spend your last dime to go. Actually, I remember, man, I'm doing things I should have been doing. But I <laughs> spent every dime I had to make sure me and my dancers got there. Wow. I mean, it was like, didn't you look that up? Jack the Rapper convention. So would you do a routine there? Would you have like a, a booth or just uh, be walking around giving out cards man, and you stuff? would do Everything, just yeah. like you said. I mean, you could walk up, Chris, in the convention. It's in hotels. Sometimes in uh, convention centers, you would walk in. You would see somebody singing for Jimmy Jam and Terry Lewis right over there. They want to hear wow. you right now. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Or you would see Russell Simmons talking to somebody over here. They're rapping for him right now. So you got to be ready see. to go. Jack the Rapper was like, you come in, you get in where you fit in at. <laughs> and you shoot and you go, man. I mean, my dancers was dancing all over, everywhere, mm. everywhere, dancing everywhere. Um, met a guy named Don Cody. That uh, had a show in Charlotte that had big time connection with promoters. That had a connection with some of Hammer's people, and we were doing all the choreography for these people, for all of them. And Carla was in our group, and that's when Carla went on to start dancing for them. Oh, okay, yeah. so 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 you were actually choreographing dances dances with Hammer. Did you actually dance with him at no, all? Okay. Never danced with him. Did did he I actually ate him alive? 
with them back in my days. <laughs> <laughs> proper. That was Hammer's big thing. Proper. Proper. Break did, them off something proper. <laughs> did you ever? Did you ever get a chance to work with them behind the scenes at all? Uh, or will you just do the choreography dances and pass them the dan- on? I was just with the dancers. That's, I was just with the dancers. That's pretty big time stuff, though, but man. Back then, it was huge. Mm-hmm. It was huge for me. It was my little claim of fame. You know what I'm saying? So, what led from that for, to you to start getting into wrestling? I mean, obviously, I mean, I know you still do a lot of uh, rapping. You're doing a new record right now. Right now, yeah. I mean, we'll talk about all that. But to walk away from the dancing and singing, or not walk away, but to go into wrestling, what led you into that route? Um, I've always had a love for wrestling, man. And um, actually, I got locked up. Mm-hmm. And um, I was in a halfway house. And this is a true story. Mm-hmm. The deputies in the halfway house, when they saw my pictures, my sister brought me pictures of all my, um, anything I've done with the Jack the Rapper conventions, with me, with Easy, Tupac, with everybody I've done, um, done things with. She would bring them to me as inspiration for me. Mm-hmm. And um, some of the deputies got a hold of the pictures. You know, they go through everything. But when you get in jail, they go through it all. And they saw the pictures with all the celebrities on there. And it was like, wow, you kind of like, I'm um, kind of special, I guess. You shouldn't even be in here. What are you in here for? I told them my story, what I was doing, this and that. Long story short, believe it or not, these guys was looking for me, an investor. And the plan was, if they found someone to invest in my music and I make a hit, they will leave their job and come work for me. Really? Yes. These are like guards or guys guards. in jail? Wow. Guards. So and they believed in you? They, bro, I never thought of that until you just said that. They mm-hmm. believed in me. Mm-hmm. And uh, I would rap sometime for the inmates. I would rap uh, before meal time, before bedtime. Mm-hmm. Everybody knew what I did in there. Um, one of the uh, uh, guards came to me named Deputy Carr. I won't forget his name. He said, uh, have you ever heard of professional wrestling or WCW? And I'm like, yeah, I'm familiar with it. He said, well, there's a guy in here named Jack Crockett. He said, um, he's been noticing you, and he asked you about your name. He said, this guy might be the one that can invest and help you out. Jackie Crockett? Jackie Crockett. I know Jackie Crockett for years. He was a cameraman in WCW. Well, he was in the halfway house with me. No kidding. Yes. Wow. Yes. Never knew that. Yes. And, um, and just as a quick story, Jackie Crockett was the guy who taught me how to find the camera uh, during a match. He said, none of these guys ever looked at the camera. He said, you find me, I'll make you a star. And that's how I learned Jackie Crockett taught me that. Jack always gave back. Yeah. (laughs) But as a matter of fact, listen to this, though. Um, So me and Jackie began to talk. The guy introduced us, and we were talking, we were talking, we were talking. Maybe I think on our third conversation, he introduced me to wrestling. He's, um, so what do you think about, you know, professional wrestling? And I actually told him, um, I like it, I watch it, but let's talk about this music, man. I want you to invest in this music. I want you to invest in this music. Jackie gave me his number. He told me he would call me, and for me to call him when I got out of jail. Hmm. I got out. How much longer did you in? Maybe six more months. Okay. I gave him a call when I got out. He came by my mom's house because that's where I was staying. I was broke. You get out of jail, you got nothing. I was done. Yeah. yeah. Uh, he came by my mom's house, picked me up, took me out to eat the Bennigan's. Won't forget that. <laughs> and um, offered me a job. And I'm thinking, okay, he's going to ask me to cut his grass or something like that. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> that's what I'm thinking. You know what I'm saying? I'm like, I'm not cutting no grass. I'm not washing no windows. I'm not doing none of that. I didn't know what man, he wanted. I didn't know no grass, man. Dog, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> I didn't know what he wanted, though, but um, he asked me about wrestling, and can you believe it? I was stubborn, still in my set of my ways, uh, mm-hmm. still that, I guess, the, that street negative mentality to where I turned him down. Mm-hmm. And I just saw my mind say, well, I just want you to invest in my music. I want you to invest in my music. Jack looked at me and said, you know what? No problem at all. When you're ready, I'm waiting on you. God told me to give back, and I need to give back mm-hmm. to you. That was deep to me. Absolutely, and he was working in WCW because his family, Jackie Crockett, David Crockett, Jim Crockett, they all yeah. started the NWA, sold it to WCW. So he actually was talking about getting you into WCW. He just they had just sold it. Gotcha. They had just sold it to Turner, gotcha. right? Right. So um, I actually turned him down for two years. Hmm. Two years, didn't give him no call, no nothing. And I figured out this way, I would do this right here. What could I do? I would go. I would be a little robber then. You know what I'm saying? That was my thing. You know what I'm saying? I tried that for two years. Never nobody that was working a legal job. Get the drug dealers. <laughs> they can't call the police. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Did that, ended up going back to jail. How about the guy that put me in jail had the same last name of the pen and stuff that I stole from one, one car? You know what I'm saying? Wow. Yes, same last name. That was an eye-opener for me. Got locked up. I did it's about... The second time. Second time. Wow. I did about... Oh, this is... Well, the second big time. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> there was many times. Okay, um... This is the second time I got locked up um, for trafficking and everything, man. I think I did another six months in there. Mm-hmm. I got out. This is at the point in my life where I didn't know what I wanted to do. I already had one child. 
and I was tired of the street. The streets wasn't giving me, I was always doing, wasn't giving me anything in return but trouble. Mm -hmm. So I turned over a new leaf, called Jack Crockett, and it was the first time that I decided to listen to somebody else instead Mm -hmm. of myself. I listened to him, and he said, "Um, only thing I'm going to invest in you is time. He said, it's going to cost you time. He said, if you're ready to change, ready to do something positive, he said, this won't cost you a dime. I'm going to pay for everything. Wow. I'm going to take you under my wing. He flew me down to Atlanta. He flew me to two WCW shows. He was still doing the cameraman work. Mm-hmm. And uh, he sat beside me when Ric Flair came out. And he was like, um, you see how Flair's coming out? And I could see the people going crazy, man. And I was getting goosebumps. And I'm like, oh, man, this is like, and I'm picturing me rapping because he's in my ear talking. Mm-hmm. You know, hey, this could be you right there. You coming down the ramp and you rapping and you doing that little dance thing you do. You rapping, you dancing. You can invest in yourself. You won't need nobody else to invest in you. I believe that you can invest in yourself. What do you think? Mm-hmm. I did it. And next thing you know, Jazz is a millionaire. <laughs> But you, but you didn't start in WCW, though. I didn't. Um, I started on the Indies. He took me, oh, my goodness. He took me, man, this way, um, if, if you don't have belief and faith and hope and all this stuff, this way, you need to listen to this. He took me to learn how to uh, put the ring together and break it down. Hmm. And I'm thinking, you know what I'm saying, dog, you said you was finna, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> I just saw Rick Flair coming down this road. supposed to be rapping down the hallway. Yeah, yeah, not, you know what I'm saying, with... 15 people left, man. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> he took me, and I did independence, man. I started out uh, with George South and Style, and Manny Fernandez saw me like my third or fourth week there. Hmm. And Manny trained me, and I stayed with him for like three years. Mm-hmm. I got down to NWA Wildside uh, with Bill Barrington, and some guys talked me into sending a tape in. And at that time, I done got, believe it or not, I done got caught up in the Indies. I was loving it. I was like... Man, I'm the hot, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, Shit, you're you know, the hot right thing, you know what right? I'm saying? I'm the ice on the cake. I love it, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> and it was like, um, nah, man, you can actually, you know, you can get paid for a living, make a, you know what I'm saying? I am getting paid. I'm getting satisfaction. I'm getting, you know what I'm saying? This mm-hmm. next. Said, no, you can go on TV. You talking about what I saw Rick Flynn do this next? <laughs> yes. So they actually made me a tape. I sent it in. I got a call from WWE two weeks later. Hmm. Two weeks later. Wow. You know what's interesting? Quickly, it, 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 I had MVP on the show, and his story is similar to yours. I don't know if you ever discussed it with MVP. Right, yes, I have. Spent time in prison, had a guard who showed him wrestling, and when he got out, he had a, a vision and a mission. I mean, it's the same as yours. It's really cool to hear kind of how that was able yes. to change you and give you a, a reason to get the hell out of there. Man, it's know, uh, Stay out of there. It's, uh, what Crockett would call it is, uh, he said, I can tell when you taste the blood. Mm-hmm. And I taste the blood of, of positivity, mm-hmm. success. Um, a dream, a goal, a dream, man. Yeah. I, that really exists. It happens mm-hmm. to people. It happened to me. You know what I'm saying? It's I'm a better father. I'm a, you know what I'm saying? I'm a be- I was a better brother. I'm, I'm everything that I tasted in that blood made me better. Mm-hmm. Everything. Now I remember when you first came into WWE. That was gosh, 2000, 2001, 99. I mean, 90, 90, I signed in 98. I think I debuted like in 99. Yeah, because we started on the same time. You were K Quick. Yes. Yeah. Yes. K-Quick. Yes. And that was very short-lived, from what I remember. A year, yes. maybe, or so? Right Not under even? two years. Right under two, two years. years, yes. What, uh, what was the reasoning for leaving WWE? We don't have anything for you. Um, wish you luck in your wish huge you endeavors. Yeah, yeah, wow. that, there's no uh, rhyme or reason for it. Sometimes they just don't have anything for you. Because yes, you just, weren't doing your rap to the ring at that point. I was. Were you? I was doing it with Road Dog. Was it What's Up? No, I mean, Road Dog was doing Get Rowdy. Get rowdy. Yes. How did that one go? Um, I don't remember. Oh, you didn't know? You better call somebody. The D or double G and K quick getting rowdy, rowdy. <laughs> dun, dun, dun. Get yeah. rowdy. Yeah. Road Dog saw me down in Memphis. I was a Memphis uh, heavyweight champion. Mm-hmm. This is where they had the uh, developmental at before they moved it to Florida. And uh, Road Dog saw me there, saw me wrapped to the ring, and he was there on vacation. And he said, hey, was that you rapping to the ring? I said, yeah. He said, how would you like to be my tag partner? <laughs> I said, are you serious? You got to think. Now, I was, I was in developmental for at least a year and on the Indies for at least four years. So it was yeah, a dog. guy from the street, man. I'm like, you know, hey, man, this ain't looking too good for the home team. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> so I was just, uh, that was like a light, man, when he said that to me. I was like, he said, you give me one month and I have you up there. Wow. One month. I was doing get rowdy with Road Dog on TV. You know, it's it's amazing uh, in this day and age. But those guys had some power. Those DX guys, 
Even Road Dogg and X-Pac oh. and Billy Gunn, they had a little stroke here. A lot of stroke. Yeah. A lot of stroke. They kind of like um, paved the way for it. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I mean, I know a lot of older guys paved the way, but DX, those guys, with the stroke they had, they mm-hmm. paved the way. And it's funny, too, because I remember Dog in 99, the first SmackDown, I powerbombed him through a table because he was supposed to leave to go do a rap record. He was right. always you know, a white guy who could rap. Right. And then I would see him every time of time. He was off for like five months. He came back. I said, did you do the record? He goes, no. I said, what did you do? I just sat at home, hung out. I just didn't do the record. <laughs> like, how did you get the time off? He's like, I just got it off. I'm like, all right. Ah. So he finally got to do his rap with you. Yes. But like you said, the dreaded creative doesn't have anything for you. Uh, how did that make you feel? Was it a, step, uh, a setback or did you just... Whatever, um, just keep it, keep it rolling. At, at the moment, man, it was uh, it was heartbreaking, man. Yeah. I had uh, I had my matter of fact, I had my oldest son at the house with me. My oldest son, Ronnie Junior, was there when I got signed, so he was there like, "Daddy gonna be on TV. Daddy just got a contract. Daddy, he kind of understand." And he was also there when I got that phone call too. And yeah. I had to look at him and say, um, "I don't have a job no more. I don't. Mm-hmm. Have, I'm not gonna." How old is he? Oh man, at the Young? time he was like twelve at the time. Okay, so he was old enough to know. Old it. enough to understand and know. Yeah, and it was um for a person's first time coming from nothing to boom on mm. television and, and limelight and just to like everything taken away. It's um it, it plays a, a toll on you. Sure, Mentally, it does. Emotionally, because um, now I got to pick up the pieces regardless of what. Take care of my two sons I had at the time now. Um, I take care of myself, and I've always been taking care of my family. I've always mm-hmm. had something, just a family guy. And so um, that's when I went back to the Indies. And I had to, like, um, not only rebuild myself as a man and as a performer and as a wrestler, I had to rebuild my character. I had to rebuild a lot of inside everything, stuff. Everything, right. Me, you know what I'm saying? And the it, character as a person. As a mean. person and everything, man. And uh, it actually made me humble and actually made me become a real man. Hmm. And um, I think I got there. And they let me go so I could go back to college. You mm-hmm. know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Because when I came back, there was so much, man. I was, I was a grown man. I was ready now. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every goal, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a game-winning goal in the final seconds of overtime or a shot on the goal in the first period. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. R-Truth is with me. TNA was a, was a lifesaver for you at that it was point a, it, was a, it was a lifesaver. Yeah. It was a lifesaver not for myself, but for a lot of people. Yeah. Big time lifesaver. That's when you really started to spread your wings as a performer yes, was there. Perform- and, and I was able to grasp a hold of any character, any feel, any emotion I want, I could grab it and I can make you feel it. I can make you mm-hmm. um, understand it. I can make you listen to it. Or I can make you frightened. You know what I'm saying? I was able mm-hmm. to take those different emotions and play them like a heart. You know? That's when you started the truth character. Yes. Yeah. yeah. What, what was the mindset behind that? Um, just being the truth of everything. My life now was going to be the truth. I was going to mm-hmm. be the main. And Jerry Jerry helped me come up with that name and it was just... He said, you just have this aura about yourself. And he heard me talk when I was K-Quick, and he heard me talk when TNA started to where he's like, wow, you've grown up. He said, you're saying a lot of truth. You're saying a lot of truth. I'm like, I like to use that name if I can. Mm-hmm. You know, and it was wrong the truth. It was good, though, because I, I watched TNA from the start because I just thought, like, wow, you know, like anytime you can have another company, hopefully they do great. It's good for the right, fans, good right, for us. Right. And you could see the evolution. You're one of the characters with AJ and Samoa Joe that were, like, the three kind of almost – Cornerstones at the beginning. They built. They, they start, built around we up you. Started it. Yes. Yeah. Yes. And, and it was fun. It was fun at the same time. And it was like, like I said, man, it was like me being in college. You know, mm-hmm. I was. I wanted to prove and show not only the world but myself that hey, I can take this ball and run with it. Now, how long were you there for? Uh, five years. Five years. Yes. So, well, how did you see the growth of the company? Because it started as a pay-per-view every week, which was a crazy idea. Then got on TV, then moved out of the Nashville fairgrounds. Right. To- it, it, it prospered, man. It, yeah. it grew. Uh, and it was great being a part of something that, again, like myself, coming from nothing to making something. Mm-hmm. This company came from nothing but an idea, and it blossomed, you know? Mm-hmm. And, and it was great being a part of it, man. The, the struggle was, was challenging. At the same time, it was tasty. It was, mm-hmm. it was just good, man. And, and I saw them rock it, and I saw them when they – 
stood still. Mm-hmm. And I see them when they tried to rock it again, then they stood still. And now it's just that. Mm-hmm. Well, one of the things was they kept bringing in guys of, of name value that never really pushed the needle, right? Like right. Never Bischoff. pushed the needle. Were you there when right. Bischoff came in, or were you gone by then? I was on my way out. On my way out. Yes. Bischoff and Hogan. Yes. I was out when they came in, yes. So who were some of the guys that you worked with the best when you were there that you they enjoyed working with? Oh, my goodness. Uh, where at? In TNA. TNA uh, Kurt Henning. Um, oh, wow. You worked with Kurt. I worked with Kurt. Right. Yeah. Uh, Scott Hall. How good was quickly? How good was Kurt Henning? Kurt is my dog, man. He's, <laughs> uh, bless his soul, man. He's, um, and, and let me say this right here. Kurt believed in me. Mm-hmm. Kurt believed in me. It made me believe in me more than I already believe in myself. I mean, he just, um, they, they had wanted me to drop the title to Kurt, and Kurt was like, no, this is the guy you need to push. This is the guy we need to be behind right here. And Kurt talked to them. I mean, Kurt went out back. He talked to me. And funny story about Kurt. Kurt took me out one night and told me he was going to go to a hip-hop bar. He knew a hip-hop bar. And I'm thinking <laughs> myself, you know, I ain't too familiar with Nashville. And I do know Kurt Henning. I never seen him around no rappers or whatever, right? So, okay, okay, I fall into him. I'm hanging with Kurt. You know what I'm saying? Mr. Mm-hmm. Perfect. You know what I'm saying? How about we end up at a place called Tootsie's? Never heard of it before. You know what I'm saying? My first time coming down here, downtown in Nashville. Yeah. Went to Tootsie's, man. When I walk in, it was just me and another brother with me, dog. <laughs> when we walked in, dog, felt like an eight ball on a pool table, man. <laughs> Didn't know. You know what I'm saying? And I'm looking for Kurt. I'm like, Kurt gave me this address, told me to come with him. Kurt. I'm, and I see him on stage, man, and he just tips his cowboy hat to me. <laughs> but it was awesome. He, he, uh, he was so great. He uh, would always look at me in WCW because, like you said, he cared. And in he WCW, cared. there was kind of an upper echelon that didn't care about me and my gang. Uh, Arn was one that did. Jimmy Hart cared. Uh, and Kurt was a guy that would go the extra mile. But he'd always come past me and look at me and go, they tell you what you have to do with your hair yet? I go, what do you mean? He goes, oh, they'll tell you. And then a couple of days later, he said, they talked to you about your hair yet? Because I had super long blonde hair. Right, I remember that. He was just ribbing me, right? Because he would always say, well, yeah, they told you about your hair yet? No, what? What, <laughs> Kurt? What? You know, and he would always do that. And he also taught me how to gargle Jack Daniels. Yes, he does. Yeah. <laughs> that was his thing. I could never do that. Uh, it's terrible. We know what he used to do. He used to gargle it and then let a stream of it come out the other side of his mouth. So if he was gargling with his right side where you could see it, you wouldn't out of his left side, it would be out. coming out. There you go. Okay. Yeah, that was well, everybody trick. else is puking, right? That's exactly right. Yeah. Sweet. Great worker, great guy, and always had a, a smile about him. He was always looked like he was up to something. Always you know? had that aura, man. Uh, Scott Hall was another one. Mm-hmm. Uh, big time believed in me, man. Um, yeah. And Cause Scott was also the tale of two people as well. When Scott was sober, he was a super nice guy from my uh, experiences, but then when he got you know, messed up, he would turn into a real different person right. you didn't see that side i never saw that side. good that's good never saw, Sweet I, I guy. heard about it man and um i've grown to love scott scott mm-hmm. um he man he would talk to me so much man and just like um i would just soak the knowledge up man that uh i would hear all the mistakes scott made i would hear all the mistakes people making about hear all that and he would teach me and tell me to like you can counteract this you don't have to be like that you don't have to and he he really took time to school me man hmm. a lot of time to school me so you learned a lot while you were up in TNA. Oh, my goodness. I learned a lot, man. X-Pac. That's one of my he closest friends. Yeah, closest, yeah. man. Um, he's, like he I was said, so smart to the business. Very smart. He was, he was the Einstein of the business to me, man. He, um, he had it, psychology, ring awareness, everything. He had it down. He would just kind of sit there with that, like, dazed look on his face. Yeah. He's like, well, why don't we try but, this? And he's so slow talking, man. But then you'd be like, how do you think of this stuff? Quick, yeah, and it worked. Yeah, it worked. So when did you know that it was time to to leave TNA, or were you did you were you, did you get kicked out Actually, of TNA? I don't um, know. I didn't get kicked out. Um, I think Conan talked me into leaving, and Road Dog. I mean, it was just. Uh, Weren't you guys? What was the name? Three, the three live crew. Well, the three live crew. <laughs> three LK. It was Conan, the Truth, and and Road, Road Dog. Dog. Oh man, it was what was he called though? He was called Jesse Double J or Jesse James or something like that. Jesse James. Jesse James Armstrong. Yep, B.G. Armstrong, K-Dog. B.G. James, that was it. B.G. James, yes. So you you tell us about that. You guys would go do the vignettes, and you're kind of like badass gangs. Oh, man, I loved it, man. It was was all like Conan's idea, and Road Dogg would put the the, uh, creative part to it, man. We did uh, skits in the uh, trailer park. We did skits (laughs) in the hood. Then we went to Mexican restaurant. And it was a it was a, a group man of guys that was you know what I'm saying three different nationalities that got along yeah legitimately got along for real behind cameras behind doors we got along yeah and it came out on TV man awesome 
Yeah, you could tell you guys had great chemistry. Oh, and we basically just taking the piss out of everything, just having fun and messing around with people. And, and we actually went and recorded a song there, too. Oh, did you as well? Yes, Once yes. again, Conan also oh, raps. Yes. Yeah, yes, he yes. does, yeah. Yeah, so, so those guys were telling you you had to split, and, uh, and so how did you get back into WWE again? Then? Well, they weren't telling me how to split. It was just um, letting me know that it's a certain time when you have to know when it's time to leave. Because mm-hmm. they had already gone by that point. Conan had already left, mm-hmm. and uh, Dog was pretty much contemplating it. Mm-hmm. And um, he was just letting me know, man, it's a certain time in the business when you have to know when to leave, mm-hmm. or you're, you're just going to stay, and the same thing, same thing, same thing is going to happen. You have to know when to go. And he would point out guys to me that knew when it was time to leave. And you always, in this business, is like a circle, man. You always better go around and come right back again. That's right. So I um, got to Kohanes, and I um, booked out, and I went and worked Mexico for couple years. Oh, wow. For Conan. Yeah. Yes. When I worked there for a couple years. How'd you like working down there? Loved it. Yeah. Loved it, man. Loved Mexico, man. A little bit of a different style. Big time different yeah. style. Big time. Lucha <laughs> Libre. Big different style, man. But um, and we adapt. Mm-hmm. You know, we adapt what you do. to what, You, you got to know what your audience is looking for. Yes. And that audience was always more into the superhero, some of the corny spots that you would do. Oh, yes. I gave, them, I gave them the villain. I gave them the dirty, <laughs> filthy scoundrel villain. <laughs> Was your name still Truth? Still Truth. Did you call Elsa Girl or something like that? I was a varmint. <laughs> <laughs> was that the first time you played heel? No, it wasn't. It was just, I love playing heel. Mm-hmm. And it was just, it was their first time seeing me. And it was, mm-hmm. oh, who's this guy right here, you know? And not a lot of black guys in Mexico no, either, right? not at all. Yeah. At all. And, I, and I went there, man, I rode that horse. I rode it. <laughs> I rode it, man. I loved it, man. Uh, and I went and uh, worked in Europe a little bit. Mm-hmm. Uh, Rikishi had something going over there. Oh, wow. Went and worked over there for like a year. Was that one of the Italy things? Yes. Because Italy exactly. was really popular for it a while, It was popular wasn't it? big yeah. time, yes. It was actually good, man. I had good potential. And um, after I left Italy, man, I just hung around between Mexico and just doing the Indies. Mm-hmm. And uh, there was one loop that WWE was in Charlotte. And Jeff Hardy had done went back, and Umaga had done went back. Mm-hmm. And uh, they gave me a call when it was in Charlotte. Hey, man, you want to hook up? Come eat, blah, blah, blah. Come eat, hang out with the boys, hang out with the boys. So I went and hung out with them, and they was like, hey, man, um, you should give them a call, man. Give them a call. What are you doing now? I'm like, just Indies and Mexico. I'm like, oh, give them a call, man. They talk about you off and on. Give them a call. Give them a call. I'm like, all right, I might do that. I actually gave them a call the next day. With, no, I actually called them Thursday. This was a Tuesday night. Who'd you call? Johnny Ace. Johnny, yeah. Called Johnny Ace, and they sent me a contract probably the next day. Really? Didn't yeah. even have to show Nothing up or anything? At all. So did you sign up with the intention, okay, I've got this new gimmick, it's called Truth, or what was the, uh, like, what were they thinking name-wise for you and gimmick-wise? Um, I think they was aware of the truth, the name mm-hmm. Truth, and they wanted to keep it in there. They wanted yeah. to keep it, it was, it fit me, it, it was me. And um, when I came back, uh, they gave me a list of names, and it Remember was, any um, of them? Huh? You remember any of them? <laughs> yes, man. It was uh, Truth Jack, Jack Truth, our um, our Doms. It, it was so many our diff- Doms. Doms. It, it was. I think they're trying to say the Don, but it was so many different names, man. That it was like, and I was looking at Steph, so like, pick one, just pick one, pick one. And I think it was Stephanie that came and just blurted out our Truth. And when she said that, I looked at her. I said, that's my name. <laughs> so he just called my name out. We both smiled and went with our truth. And that was it. That now, was did it. you have the What's Up ring entrance at that point? Did you record the track then? I did have the What's Up entrance then, and, but it was vaguely seen on TNA. It was, it was, vaguely, mm-hmm. it was vaguely seen there. Uh, WWE gave me opportunities to, like, you know. Because that's, that's your track. You, you laid down the vocals at your beat. In my house. Right. My house. I have, at that time, I had a studio set up in my son's room. And uh, I produced that track right in there. Did you have to play it for Vince beforehand? I went and performed it for Vince. <laughs> Tell us about that. Because the reason why I asked that, I know, because Vince, whenever like a hardcore rap will come on, you'll see him bobbing his head. Yeah. Or an ACDC song. He's also, uh, he told Dennis Miller how to deliver comedy. Sweet. He told Kid Rock how to rap. He told Kelly yes. Kelly how to do a, a lap dance. So he's hands-on for everything. Yes, he is. That's so Vince. tell us the story about that. Uh, actually, man, Vince would let me come into his office a lot, man. I would just knock on the door. If wasn't nobody around, he wasn't busy. I'd like, check this track out, boss. And I would play music, play music. And when I had the What's Up track, I said, tell me what you think about this for ring music. 
and he's sitting there. I think Stephanie was in there too. And I'm playing it. I'm just rapping while they're doing their work. And I'm rapping and rapping. People over there, what's up? If you feel me, stand up and say what's up. Once, and I think uh, every once in a while, Steph would throw in, what's up? You know what I'm saying? <laughs> and I think I kind of caught him. I could see Vince kind of you know, bobbing his head a little bit. He was bobbing a little bit. And he was, 65-year-old yeah, white he was, guy. He was bobbing it. He was, <laughs> yeah. And he was on beat. He was bobbing it, man. So um, after I did that, man, um, he didn't say anything to me. It was good. It was great. He loved it. Mm-hmm. And when I walked out, I walked out kind of happy. And uh, the next day, somebody said, hey, uh, you got some ring music you put this into us? I'm like, the What's Up song? I'm like, I guess that would Vince said you had something. Uh-huh. And that was the first time of me. I'm like, wow. All I got to do is go rap to the boss and let him hear that. <laughs> That's the truth, though, yeah. man. But I've rapped to Vince so many songs. We would have a promo class. Let me tell you about this. And, and promo class, I used to get away with it. Every week. Now, quickly, promo class was they would have a, a, a classroom with some guys, and Vince would be at the head of the class. You'd have your practice promos. Yes. Okay. And I would, anything is a promo. You can make anything a promo. I can talk about this Ozarka oh. water. Is that what you call it? Ozarka? <laughs> uh, I'm not good at uh, Ozarka, close enough. Ozarka. Oh, yeah. that's not bad. Yeah, that's not bad at all. Oh, first try. <laughs> uh, I can talk about this Ozarka water, how refreshing and how natural spring water is for you. It, you know what I'm saying? It rejuvenates the body. Rejuvenates or rejuvenates? Okay, it makes the body feel good, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah. But Vince would talk, tell us how to make a promo, you know what I'm saying? How to make people feel it and how to like pick from certain things, certain areas. I would always go in there every week and rap. <laughs> but I will be able to rap and sometimes pick something out of the people or what we're talking about and just freestyle it. And you would just freestyle it. Yeah. Yes, I would just do it every week. And I think maybe um, the third week, my peers was like, um, you know, you're getting away with murder here. You know, we have to make up something. You're going in there just rapping. How many of these raps have you written? I'm like, work on when we leave here for next week, you know? <laughs> and that was the week Vince said, all right, Truth, you're up. And no more damn rapping. Uh, <laughs> what do I do? Yes, yes. It was easy. I just talked about rap there. Yeah, that's right, right, right. Well, I mean, but that, but that, uh, what's up was one of the, the greatest things you ever did in your career because we're talking about earlier oh, how you man. have that connection with the crowd. You know, and here you finally get your chance to walk down to the ring rapping. I think about it every time, Chris. Every time when I go out there, everybody, I, when I see signs or somebody, what's up, me back, it, it's. It was created from nothing, mm-hmm. from a dream, from a hope, and it just connected with people. It's something simple, and we always say, "What's up?" Yeah, we always say, it, and it's universal now. It's I was. You might remember this. I will never forget it. Remember, we were in Dubai, and you and I were a tag team. Yes, and I came to the ring first, and you came to the ring second, and you're doing your thing. Yes, and. <laughs> People in their burkas, like, you know, with yeah, the full you can on. see the eyes. Yeah. And, they're, and they're going, what's up? What's up? What's up? They're moving, what's up? They're moving yeah. their hands. And they're, <laughs> look like something out of, like, Naked Gun or something, man. You they, know? Was feeling they was feeling it. They was feeling it. Even, even yeah. over there, wearing the full headdress, burkas, and everything, they're still chanting, what's feeling up? Feeling the what's up, man. I love that, man. And you actually pointed at them. I see, <laughs> I see that guy over there is rocking. <laughs> I love but, you it. know, the one, another thing that, that stands out to me about your career was probably one of the biggest moments of your career when you turned heel yes. and ended up in the main event of Survivor Series with Rock and Cena against you and Miz. Yes. That was another really good character switch for you, too, because you started talking about Little Jimmy. and like, Right, right. Where did that come from? Who was the Little Jimmy? They were the- Little Jimmy started off being the audience, the, the people that was buying John Cena's merchandise. They, the Did you start out to, yeah, so, so Vince said, listen, Truth, I want you to turn heel on, on Cena and work a program. No, it, no, this is all, this all came from just spur of the moment type mm-hmm. thing. And um, it actually, man, just came from me looking over my side instead of looking at the people, mm-hmm. looking by my side and saying, oh, little Jimmy wants a John Cena t-shirt. Oh, mm-hmm. little Jimmy wants to dance, little Jimmy. And I would talk to him, like, I'm not, and people were like, He's talking to little Jimmy. That's little Jimmy. That, mm. I mean, it blew up so bad, Chris, to where like, I would do signings and people would want to sit in an empty chair and take a picture with little Jimmy. <laughs> Not with me, with little Jimmy. I remember some of the house show matches, you'd work with somebody and they'd end up like kicking little Jimmy into the yes. crowd or something and yes. you'd flip out. Everybody wanted to fight little Jimmy. But the idea was like you're kind of losing your mind. You know, little Jimmy, you're seeing things that aren't there because of John Cena. And- Cena had got the best of me. I was wigged out. I was... So but when when you when Vince turned you heel or told you you're going heel, was it with the intention of working with Cena, or had you already turned heel and worked your way up there? I think I had already turned heel and worked my way up mm-hmm. because uh, once the turn came, it was like, 
whoa. And uh, the next day I got a call. I can't remember who I got it from. It's somebody creative. And it was like Vince wants to run with this heel thing. I mean, you're it, it's kind of blowing up. Because he had got over thing. pretty quick. So, yeah, it, um, I think that was like one of the funnest times in my life because it was um, easy. It was easy. And Why it, is that? It was, I was able to like kind of be myself. I was able to just reach and, and be my own creative aspect of, of thinking of, of a lot of my promos I would just make up and just say and, and it was just fun to be able to be that freely creative there's no rules as a heel right no rules Keller outside the lines no rules yeah. man and, and that's the best part about it so what did you think when they said okay you're gonna be working at SummerSlam with uh, Cena and his partner's gonna be The Rock I mean that must have been pretty cool oh, for you oh my goodness man I, I, I tried to play it cool <laughs> I actually did play it cool you know what I'm saying you, you remember you never love to see you sweat yeah but um but was sweating everywhere, man. I mean, it was. That's when I said, "Okay, I've reached my pinnacle. I, I've reached that plateau. I've, I'm doing the right thing. Mm-hmm. I'm here. I'm, I'm there." And you just maintain, and you try to reach higher than that. Well, and it's, it's a little bit hard too. I mean, I remember back in 2001, I think it was. When I beat Rock and Steve Austin for the title, those guys were on a different plateau, and I was not there. To work against those guys, it was hard because people weren't really buying it at first. Right. Because, I mean, those guys, Rock and Austin and Jericho, and we're trying to push it. Was it this, did you feel like, was it really hard to be with Cena and Rock? And then it's not just you, but Miz too, both you guys working your way up. I I felt that a little bit. I felt it like um, almost in the people's eyes was like, there's no way they're going to, you know, mm-hmm. uh, I kind of felt it, but I think a lot more I felt uh, a lot of people that follow wrestling in the general, that follow the little guys all the way mm-hmm. to the top, uh, I felt a lot of um, appreciation from the people for just making it to that dance, for making it to that, that match. That you worked, do the hard work. To do the hard work. And um, I felt more of that than the, the ones that knew it wasn't going to be it. Well, those people know. are always going to be there. Right, right, you know? right. But it was just, man, I was overwhelmed with being in that circle with them guys. Man, I was just overwhelmed, man. It was um, like a kid in Candyland. And the Rock had just come back, too, so it's not like you had any time to to do any, you know, warm-up matches at, you know, in San Antonio none, House Show or whatever. None of that. Did you guys get together a day before to work We got together out? one time um, in New Orleans. And that was it. And so it was the, the day did, before. Did you have to fly to New Orleans yes. to meet up with The Rock? Yes, was yes. So tell me about that. How was Rock when you first met him? Oh, my goodness. Uh, same. He yeah. was the same, man. Um, I remember when Rock was here when I was K-Quick, man. He was um, – he hadn't changed. Hmm. He hadn't changed at all, man. Um, seen him on the big stream, man, when he saw me, grabbed me, hugged me, man. Told me we're going to rock this, you know. <laughs> we got this, no problem. Never showed or, or or let me feel that he had any doubt in his body mm-hmm. about what was going to happen. He's always such a positive guy. Oh, my goodness. Very positive. Yeah, yeah. So that match took place. Main event of Survivor main Series. Event, yes. Madison Square Garden. Is that where it was? It get, yes. It gets no bigger than that, man. I mean, that's that's pretty huge, man. It gets no bigger than that. Did, did you I, – I can't recall the match. Did you, did, you, was it a, did you dig it? Was it a good match? Did you feel like – Afterwards, like, oh, I did it, or did you feel like I could have done better, or that could have gone worse? Or? It was the match was longer, yeah, but, okay. um, but we did do it. Mm-hmm. We did it. Um, no hiccups at all. Everything fluently flowed, man. Everything was right. It, it Everything was, fluently flowed. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> it did, man. It just... That's great, it man. It came through. Yeah, it was a real big moment for you. Yes. And still, like we said, to this day, still doing a lot of great stuff and working almost every show, doing all the ups, uh, things that you've been doing. Tell us about the more of, the, of, of your music that I know you've been oh, working on some new tracks. Oh, right man, now i got this album coming out. You're doing actually, you have never done an album before, never just Never done tracks, an album. Right? This is the first time I've done an album. Um, I've done plenty of albums, but not WWE album. This mm-hmm. is this official. Is like official. And I put a lot of time and work into it as busy as our schedule is for mm-hmm. me to still get time to go and do it man but um i put a lot of time into it i got john cena on two tracks great um was working on getting wiz khalifa on another track um hopefully i'll be sending that to him within the next couple weeks I'm still working on the hook you know how this man come up with the right hook the right concept and all that didn't get it down to him so what do you start 16. you start with some beats uh, i start with the beat first and i just play it i play it continuously i put it on repeat and I sit there until I think, I feel what this song is talking about. Mm. I feel what it should be talking about. And I try to see what people's vibing, whether 
what kind of bob they got. If they got a serious bob or a happy mm-hmm. club bob, you know what I'm saying? And I just come up with the words, man, just from like feeling the song out. It's interesting because when you write a rock song, you start with the riff, the guitar riff. Okay. With the rap song, you're starting with the beat. Right. And then put the, the riff put over top the riff, of it. Yes. It's interesting, yeah. Well, you get the concept if we're going to rap about money or if we're going to rap about um, struggling. Once mm-hmm. you get that concept, the hook can be anything pertaining to that. And once that hook come down, the 16 bars come easy. So, so you just like, you, you, you figure out the concept of what you want to rap about and then just flows, it just freestyles? Uh, once I get the concept and once, if I get the hook first, the lyrics just come. So could you, could you do like, are you the type of rapper that's a free, can do freestyle rapping if you had to? Or? Yeah, often I do freestyle. On you can do freestyle? The, yes. Can you do some freestyle right now? Freestyle. He caught me off guard. He said, can you freestyle? I said, oh, Lord, let me do it. You know how the flow goes. I'm upstairs doing a part with my boy Chris Jericho. I got the style. I breaks it off the dome. That boy from NC, yeah, he got it going on. I'm still up in the business, still trying to kick this. Our truth, I'm going to be working on my fitness. <laughs> <laughs> I like to see. <laughs> that was you awesome. That, one in there. that was awesome, man. He sneakily threw the fitness in there, <laughs> but it worked. It worked. It worked. It worked. It worked. Man, uh, it's been great. I got two last questions for you. The first one is you touched on it briefly. Uh, I have to ask you said that you had a picture with Tupac and you might have done some work with him. Such an iconic figure and very mysterious. How was he as a, as a guy? Did you spend a lot of time oh, with him? Man, uh, my first time meeting him, I was actually jealous of him, man. I was like, Cause I'm like, you know, this is right after he done the movie Juice. He mm-hmm. just done the movie Juice, left Digital on the ground. And so I'm just I'm there in my push paw gear, <laughs> my dyed hair. You know, what I'm saying? <laughs> that's and, early um, nine, early nineties. Oh for my you. goodness, man, so embarrassing. But um, he's there with uh, Tretch from Naughty by Nature. Mm-hmm. They was like real tight, and um, horse playing around, horse playing around. This guy that I was with named Tommy G from L.A. He's one of the guys that never got a deal, that hung with all the guys in L.A. You know how it is? Yeah, like sure, a, sure. Some of the guys in our business that never, like a Chris, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. So uh, he never got a deal, but he knew everybody. And uh, he was like, hey, man, you want to meet Tupac? I'm like, is he cool? He was like, yeah, dog, come on, meet, meet Tupac. Went over and met him, man. He gave me dap right away, man, like street hug, man. It was like, hey, man, I saw y'all dancing, man. Y'all be kicking some stuff, man. You know what I'm saying? It's all good, dog. Hung with him for like three days, dog. Wow. Three days. Wow, Of course, we was partying and having fun. Yeah, it sure. A, it's, but nobody sleeps at the Jack the Rapper. <laughs> you don't sleep. If you but sleep, you're missing something. I mean, that's like hanging out with, you know, like Elvis or Jim Morrison or yes. you know, somebody yes, that, that's man. so iconic. Man, I was in awe of him, bro. It was like to see people. I had no celebrity status whatsoever. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Biggest person who thought I was the star was my football coach, probably. <laughs> but, um... Everybody flocked to him. Everybody, man, he just had this order where he could just sit and talk to people about stuff, man, and people would just be looking and listening. And half of them, not even, like, wanting him, but just wanting the knowledge that he had, man. I think he was before his time. So charismatic. He's very charismatic. Best best rapper of all time, maybe, or who's In my book, I would say. Really? I would say Tupac, best of all time. And that's because... He talked more about everything, not just about balling or being from the mm-hmm, streets mm-hmm. or just about women or partying or whatever. Tupac talked a lot about life, and, and people can relate to that. And to me, music is all about what people can relate to and get something out of it. Sure. Or they like to the be one or the other. Yeah, yeah, one of the two. Wow. Um, last question. If you had to choose your favorite match if you had to pick just one. Is there one that pops in your head or one or two uh, of them? I would say... Myself and Miz versus John Cena and The Rock. That's for I can't me. say me and your match because I botched the cold breaker. Uh, How did you botch the cold breaker? It was, I, didn't, I, didn't, I didn't come off right. I didn't oh. come off like I wanted to, man. You know, I remember that because I, we, I remember our match or one of them that we had because I was putting you in the walls and you spun out. And when I turned, nothing to do with you, I uh, tore my ACL. Are you and serious? It's, yeah, it's been torn ever since. Yeah. With me? Yeah, just from spinning in Memphis. <laughs> so there you go. <laughs> <laughs> Me and Chris always have these uh, ways of uh, keeping that brace going, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> um, and probably John Cena, Capital Punishment. Oh, single match? Capital single Punishment. match, yes. Yeah. John's uh, he's a very good, um, very good leader in the ring. Yeah. Very good leader, man. I mean, hands down, love him or hate him, like him, don't like him, whatever, he's... Absolutely. He's, he's one of those guys, he gets flocked sometimes from fans, but he's a very good worker. A very good worker, man, yeah. and uh, he's... 
straight straight shooter. And likes to call a lot in the ring too. Off the fly. Yeah, most Off of the it. fly. Yeah. And a lot of guys cannot work like that. Yes. A lot of can't, you know, they have to adapt that building. So glad that uh, when I was trained by Manny Fernandez that he trained me to be able to work listening to the audience, listen to the crowd. They'll mm-hmm. tell you what to do. They'll mm-hmm. tell you what to do. And that's pretty much how John worked. And they never, never quits. It's the way, that's the way the business is. Matter of fact, you've done that a couple of times to me. I I've had to work man. you and. It's like an hour before the show. I'm looking at you, and you're like, "Oh man, we'll have fun." And you just walk past me. <laughs> we'll just freestyle it, man. We'll freestyle it. Yes, yes. True. Thank you so much, man. It's been great talking oh, to you, thanks brother. Thanks for having me on, there, man. Absolutely, thank you. dude. We just gave each other dap. We did. <laughs> and pound. <laughs> thanks to our truth for sharing that amazing story on Talk Is Jericho. I'm really looking forward to seeing his match at WrestleMania for the Intercontinental Championship, that ladder match extravaganza, and also Truth's new record will be coming out uh, sometime very, very soon, and the first single Me, Myself, and I will be out mid-April, first week of May, and it'll be on iTunes. You can check that out. R-Truth, great guy. Super, super cool, and uh, one of my favorite guys in the back in the in the dressing room, and you can understand why after listening to him on the show. And like I said, I'm here getting ready to pack up so I can go uh, take the ferry across the pond from England over to France for the uh, Paris show. By the time you hear this, that'll be done, but tonight... March 18th in Pretown, Switzerland, our only Swiss show for a long, long time. If you're in the area, come down and check us out. Then we finish up in Germany, March 19th, Munich, March 20th, Mannheim, uh, March 21st in Bochum, Germany, and that will be the end of the Cinderblock Party World Tour. But uh, we'll be back. I think we're coming back in August or September. Don't forget, we got Atlanta on April 24th. you got to check that out at FozzyRock.com. 25th, welcome to Rockville. Uh, and then, of course, the Kiss Cruise, October 30th at TheKissCruise.com. Then we got the Slash Dates, May 18th, Chicago. Uh, then we got Texas, Houston, Dallas, Austin. So many great shows coming up. Check that out at FozzyRock.com. And don't forget about the amazing VIP program that we got ready for you you uh thank you for being here and thank you for supporting the great sponsors talk is jericho wouldn't be able to do it without the sponsors and without you and without amazon uh, if you guys are going to do your online shopping use my amazon links easiest way to support the show you know how to do it podcast1.com click on the keeper podcast free banner at the top of the page then click on talk is jericho you'll see all three of my amazon links in the uk in the usa and in canada a eh? no extra fees all hidden charges you just help out this show in the process uh you want to go back and listen to some good shows lance storm two-parter was amazing early days of our career josh gates from Expedition Unknown, another tremendous, tremendous uh, interview about the paranormal, and I call him the real-life Indiana Jones, um, searching for you know Nazi treasure, spending the night in Chernobyl, and King Tut's tomb. King Tut's tomb. Say that three times. King Tut's tomb. King Tut's tomb. King Tut's tomb. <laughs> Samoa Joe, PJ Black, and of course uh, Stormy Daniels. She was amazing too. Adult entertainment legend but very, very smart as well. She's a director. She's a writer. She's got some great stories to tell. And speaking of great stories, all right, this Friday, a couple months ago, I had Paul Stanley on. What better way to follow up Paul Stanley than with the demon himself, Gene Simmons, is going to be here. And what a story I have to tell you about how I even got the interview to happen and where I did this interview, which will blow your mind. If you like Paul Stanley, Gene Simmons is going to blow your mind as well. So many cool things coming up, and I appreciate you guys for being here. For being here, We will see you on Friday. In the meantime and in between time, stay hard, stay hungry. Peace, love, and hugs. We'll see you on Friday for Gene Simmons. Oh, yeah! Oh, yeah! Oh, yeah, boy! You can download new episodes of Talk is Jericho every Wednesday and Friday at PodcastOne.com. That's podcastone.com. Oh, yeah! Oh, yeah!